Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Self Deaf Sundays, the podcast. Do 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 do. really clear that some of the learnings from this book has really helped bring so it gives you like a high level summary of everything that this guy had figured out the power of the subconscious mind and suggestions i'm so excited to have a new guest on the show today who is aluba yay welcome aluba <laughs> thank you Alika. good to be here and uh, thank you for inviting me on definitely cool so I guess uh, I could give a bit of a background about, you know, where I met Aluba and, and you know, how, who he is, and then I'll hand it over to him. But we worked together in, in the same company before. He's moved on uh, to another company now. But I think even from the beginning, like, we kind of just focused on similar initiatives at work, which is all to do with coaching. And, and I think it was that one catch-up I had with you around just introducing and kind of getting advice from you. And I think then it just felt like we were speaking the same language and I'm very I'm a very spiritual person uh, in terms of you know always being the best version of myself and helping others and and Aluba was kind of like my role model and an idol and we had a couple mentoring sessions and yeah I'm just so excited to have you on here today Aluba and um, to kind of share your ordinary tales and your extraordinary dreams as well and I know that you are such a unique and exciting character and I'm so excited to share who you are with my listeners um so welcome again and yeah for the people that may not know you maybe we can start off with um your name and and what what your occupation is yeah sure well that's a first of all very flattering introduction so <laughs> thank you very much Monika. and um you know, one of the things i always say is that we're all each other's teachers and uh, it's been nice actually um i know we had a few mentor sessions when we were working together um, but uh, to have recently had some mentoring from your good self uh, as you've helped me get my podcast up and running has, has been lovely as well. So uh, I really want to thank you and appreciate you for that. Um, so yeah, my, my name is Luba Phoenix. Um, I work at the moment for Google. Um, I'm one of the internal executive coaches and also part of the sales enablement team at Google. So a large part of what I do there is welcoming new hires when they first come to the organization. Uh, helping them to um, sink into the culture uh, that is Google. So they set themselves up not just for success in terms of their current role, but in terms of their long-term success uh, while they're at the company. Uh, so really helping them find their fit uh, and also find their own unique voice, which is uh, hugely important to the culture that we have at Google. Um, but also then uh, equipping them with the capabilities to hit the ground running when they go into the field. And I do that through a number of type of trainings that we run. Um, so, so that's a large part of what I do. I also work with a lot with the senior management team, helping them to develop skills as to be coaches. Coaching is a big part of the culture, um, and also some other leadership development programs. So, yeah, that's a, a little bit about what I'm doing now. Um, prior to joining Google, I said I spent about 20 odd years in the IT industry, um, mainly in, in sales and uh, marketing roles in my early career. I spent all of that time in what I call Californian digital tribes. So I was with Salesforce, I was with Oracle, I was with HP, so the big, large Californian players. Um, and before all of that, before I got anywhere near IT, um, I spent time uh, working as a sports psychologist, which is what I trained and qualified in originally. Mm, amazing. I mean, that's the 
it's hard isn't it when someone asks you what do you do and what you're about because you're trying to fit in all your years of who you are in like that one sentence but I think you did a great job summarizing your professional side of things but I guess to really get to know you uh, as an individual if the first question I'm actually going to ask you Luba is what really kind of drives you as an individual um, in everything that you do in your life? Like, what would you say your key motivation is um, to, to do what you do? Mm, great question. And uh, it, it's a question I would have answered very, very differently at different times in my life, Lamika, uh, I would have said. Um, uh, for me today, uh, what's most important is uh, how I show up. You know, and uh, am I showing up as the best version of myself? Uh, am I available in the moment um, to presence, to whatever rises within myself and within the situation? Um, and from that place, can I allow things to come through me in service of others? So that, that's the key motivation for me, uh, kind of working skillfully with my own physiology and psychology to enable me to show up um, and be of service. Yeah. Mm, definitely. I love that. And I think even in the beginning when you said, you know, you, you would answer the same question um, differently in different times of our lives. And I think that's so true because what you think, you know, might drive you today might change in the future. But I think from your own experience as well, like what were the drivers before and, you know, what led you to now it being just showing up? Because I think it'd be really interesting to hear, I guess, to kind of just summarize or, or theme some of your key drivers and how it changed. Cause I guess just to kind of set some context as well. So often people, uh, when I talk to my friends, it's very much, you know, I want to make money or I want to climb the corporate ladder. And there are a lot of kind of materialistic uh, drivers in us. Um, So I'd love to kind of hear how your drivers have changed and kind of what made you land this idea around just showing up in in everything that you do. Yeah, it's it's, it's a really great question. Um, I kind of liken it to... I've, I've talked about this a lot of my coaching clients when I, when I talk about states of consciousness. I, I talk about um, three islands, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the very first island I talk about is a victim consciousness, and that's a, a state of consciousness where you're unhappy with the circumstances of your, your life and you're finding fault, or, uh, you know, in the external world as to why that is the case. Um, and, and although there are no doubt systemic issues that are at play in terms of uh, people's life circumstances, um, to kind of lean in to that uh, way of looking at the world is, it can be very disempowering. Um, and so a way out of it and, uh, you know, a, a lot of a journey that most people take when they're growing up and from, you know, moving to adulthood is to move to what I call the second island, which is victor consciousness or achievement-based consciousness. Um, and the way to move between the two islands is um, uh, the path of discipline and responsibility, right? Actually taking responsibility for your own choices, the impact that that has. Um, and while that is, I guess, the whole world of the self-development movement, right? If you think about people like Tony Robbins and all that, it's all about, you know, you know awaken the giant within and I uh, must be what I can be and this idea of being, being a success. Um, while all of that is, is great to a certain extent and makes sense to a certain extent, um, the, the problem that happens is, is that for a lot of people is that they attach their sense of identity to their success or what they perceive to be their success. So what happens when they don't succeed? And 
who are they being a, a, a success for? You know, often it's for other people, you know, they're doing it to please other people. And for the early part of my career, certainly um, a lot of what I perceive to be success is what I had been indoctrinated and, and you know, by the culture to believe was, was a success, right? So, um, you know, getting a good job, you know, finding someone to get married to, you know, raising a family, all of that type of stuff. And, um, you know, as I said, it, it, it's, it's important to be able to walk that path and, and to have a certain aggressive success. I think it's a, it's a trap to start to identify yourself with those achievements. Because mm. uh, we're, we're, we're all far more than that. Um, and, and so what I often now talk about the third island, um, uh, which I call vessel-based consciousness. And it's the idea that actually what we are is a vessel for life. Mm. And life doesn't need to achieve anything in order to be amazing. It is amazing exactly as it is. <laughs> uh, and so my job really, uh, if I think about what vessel-based consciousness is about, is really just to take care, really good care, exquisite care of the body-mind so that it allows me to show up in a way that life can really flow. And I believe that there's a wisdom within life that is far greater than any wisdom that I might grasp and understand, you know, um, you know, in terms of my, my, my conscious mind. I think there's a much deeper um, wisdom within life. And if I can allow that to flow through me, if I can be fully present in the moment uh, for that to arise, um, then great things unfold from there. And so the path from that achievement-based consciousness to vessel consciousness for me is a path of surrender. It's a path of letting go. Um, and it's a path of just, um, you know, allowing the life that wants to live within me to find its voice and find its expression. So that's what I kind of mean, you know, when I show up uh, in, in today. That's, that's my focus. Although, undoubtedly, you know, at, at points in time, I can find myself in any one of those three islands, right? <laughs> and so the key is to know where I might be and, uh, you know, adjust and adapt so that I can correct yeah. course a bit. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. you can. You, you might some sometimes slip into one without kind of intending to do so, right? But we, we... of course, yeah, of course, uh, no. Um, uh, but I keep trying to get myself to remind myself to come back to the present moment. Uh, I think I do my best work from there. I think I'm uh, most able to help other people as well uh, when I come from that place because I come alongside them. Then rather coming than the coming at them. Yeah. Mm, wow, that was incredible. I don't know if you said that before or is this something that you always do in the daily but you could write a book around that right because i mean for me as well i've recently started learning about consciousness and you know from books like the power of now and the new earth and that was the avenue i got introduced to but it's interesting how in those three different pillars like even though the motivate the motivation was different but the, the the one consistent thing is this idea around consciousness and that's all around like you mentioned uh, kind of having that connection with the i don't know whether you want to call it the higher power or the source where you are constantly in touch with your your deeper self so that um no matter what the external factors can do or, or say um you are always content and, and in a way you are always being the most authentic version of yourself so it's interesting how um that's the one kind of common underlying thread in those three different islands that you mentioned and um i really like the idea of the vessel based consciousness because i think that's where we all aspire to be right where we want to be happy with what we're doing helping others and not being like you mentioned attached to this idea around success and what other people perceive as success because that way you would ne you will never be happy because you're constantly chasing and you're using um a benchmark that 
is set by society and external factors to define your happiness in a way um but i really like that i don't know you should write a book <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah. So the, the conversation maybe what you said as i, as I, I kind of picked them up um so what, what i would say if people talk a lot about the you know this this need to find find happiness right mm. and and for me um i often say that happiness is overrated <laughs> um, it's important right it, it's great to be happy um, but it's it's only one of the spectrum of human emotions and so when i talk about being present to myself I'm, what i really mean is, is being present and able to hold whatever arises mm-hmm. and that might be extreme sadness in the moment because something has happened that's um you know heartbreaking um it might be that i'm incredibly angry in a particular moment in time as well and so to not let that kind of get the better of me in a way that uh, is unhelpful to the situation which i'm in but to connect to the truth of any experience that's arising and to be able to hold space for that and so that I can calibrate my responses, you know, and in relation to what's happening with the, you know, being in touch with the reality of my own internal experience. Mm. Um, so it, it's really the, the, the vast range of, of the emotional states that needs to be human and, and really being, being present for all of it. And I, I do believe that the more we as individuals can do that work for ourselves where we can welcome all aspects of ourselves, um, truly welcome it, right? And not certain aspects, all aspects of ourselves. The more we can actually do that, then I think the better we're able to do, welcome other people, no matter how they show show up and keep our connection to them. Um, so happiness is great when it comes, but like everything it passes, yeah, and there'll be something that comes after that. And uh, so it's trying to be able to relate to whatever rises in a way that's, that's presence and available and um, you know in the moment yeah. mm. that's so interesting happiness is overrated i love that it is <sighs> it is a chase isn't it because you think that that i've interviewed a couple people for the podcast now like and it all boils down to this idea around seeking happiness and it seems like that's what we're all headed towards but like you mentioned, if we had happiness all the time, we wouldn't be able to differentiate that emotion with other things. So it's about uh, kind of surrendering to, like you mentioned earlier on, surrendering to the present moment because you need that for the evolution of your soul in a way, which is something I've kind of uh, read recently as well. And it's interesting because you said that, you need to go through all these emotions so that you can better welcome other people in those emotions as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you want to show empathy, then, you know, one of the ways to do that is to be able to, you know, experience what the other person has experienced, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said, that's about opening ourselves up to that vast range of emotions. And some, some of us have blockages in, in certain areas, you know? Um, maybe we are, you know, not very good at welcoming our own fear and anxiety mm. and that's the case we won't be very good at welcoming it when it shows up in other people mm. or other people are blocked to joy mm. you know they're, they're not able to really experience the full extent of joy um so you know we all have our our different kind of backgrounds our different patterning or different ancestral kind of um, things we're working with um but for me it, it, it more and more um kind of when i think about you know what i'm here to do as i said and how i want to show up I want to show up in a way that welcomes all parts of myself um, as they are in the moment. Um, so I can have a deeper intimacy with myself and through that process have a deeper intimacy with the world around me. Mm, amazing. I love that. 
that was quite a yeah going back to the question as well you know what drives you you started off with this idea around kind of showing up and you, you kind of enlightened us with the idea around the three islands as well and how we might evolve from one to the other but sometimes might slip back to some of the the other ones um and then kind of rounding it off with this idea around embracing um any every emotion and the fact that happiness is in fact overrated <laughs> that's that uh, you know every time i talk to you i always leave with leave thinking about something differently than i would have so thank you for sharing that yeah you're welcome you're welcome that was the that was your answer to your first question around you know what drives you and i think that gave us a better um picture of who you are uh, and my next question now is actually um asking because the whole idea is around ordinary tales and i guess in our lifetime we have had to go through our ups and downs and you know that shaped you to be who you are today but if I was to ask you now like if there was that one event that really kind of shaped you to be who you are today um whether it's you know a job or uh, something that wasn't the best news but it kind of changed the path for you to be who you are I know that experiences it's hard to kind of pinpoint one event to kind of sh- be like okay this is what made me who I am but if what's the first thing that comes in your mind when I ask you uh when I asked you that question mm-hmm. great question uh <laughs> and obviously there are many many things I guess that shape you over the course of your life it, it's interesting you ask it because right now at the moment I'm actually in the, in the uh, process of writing a book um wow. it, it's kind of about the the craft that is selling <laughs> which is what I've been involved in for the last 20 years um but uh, as I've been reflecting on it uh, I've actually found myself writing a lot about my early life, mm. and, uh, learning another craft, which is a craft I learned from my father, uh, which is uh, the craft of sailing. Wow. Uh, I was a big, big sailor. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I was very, very young, uh, it must have been as young as three years old, uh, he was taking me out of boats with him. And I learned a, a huge amount uh, from that process in terms of growing out sailing with my dad as a kid. Um, uh, the importance of uh, the preparation prior to, to going out and then <laughs> involved in the rigging of the boats, etc. Yeah. Um, uh, the just the whole need actually to be present in the moment when you're on the water and um, because you have to be available for whatever rises with the weather, which mm-hmm. can be at any moment. Um, so you need to be connected in your body uh, to what's actually going on, connected to the boat, connected to the water, the wind around you. Um, you have to understand the elements. Um, I also learned uh, the importance of respect for the sea in particular at that point, mm. um, you know, which although was uh, gave us a lot of pleasure when we were, <laughs> um, but it was also um, ferocious and it actually took the life of one of my friends uh, when I was very, very young. Um, friend of mine died he was only 13 years old I was a couple of years younger uh, oh, no. and so you know as I said um mother nature is severe and um it's it's really important to have that respect and um, have the right type of preparation whenever you're going to engage with it mm-hmm. um, I learned how to you know sail through all weathers as well mm-hmm. uh, you know through through beautiful sunny days where the wind was just right mm-hmm. <laughs> you would get those absolute flow states uh, to um, horrible weather in the middle of winter. And we had to get it back up and continue on. Um, I learned about competition because we used to do a lot of racing in, that, uh, in those days. 
Um, and over the years, as I as I went through my career as a sailing, I actually developed into into becoming a teacher. I used to teach wow. sailing uh, all around Ireland and then in the US as well when I was in college. So I grew up in that world of learning how to sail and then teaching other people how to sail. And I think uh, in many ways that formed me um, at a quite a deep level. Yeah. Mm, wow, that, that's so interesting. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I'm learning these things as well. And um, like you mentioned from a very, like when you were three, right? So you kind of fell into it or you were, I don't know, forced, <laughs> forced upon it, but yeah. you kind of caught onto it. But now, looking back at your journey around sailing and the things that you touched around, the importance of preparation and being present. I think I feel the same way when I'm like, you know, near the sea, like I think it just puts into perspective um, how little you are <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. you kind of detach yourself from the materialistic things or the problems you might have at home. Cause to your point, you are in that present moment and, and, it's a it's a beauty in a way isn't it when you are surrounded by nothing um but the sea and i hadn't it's interesting how you've used that analogy of sailing um and and taken the learnings from there from a young age but there are some kind of key life lessons uh, that you can take away and and implement it i guess in your on your day jobs day job as well right it it, it definitely i think everything kind of relates back in in, in many in many different ways um I mean, one of the things that sailing also teaches you is, is I talk about competition because of the racing, but actually cooperation um, mm. more <laughs> to the fore. Even when it comes to competition, a lot mm. of the boats I sailed were, were, were two, two men or two women boats. And, um, you know, you would have that cooperation between the helm and the crew. And that relationship was crucially important. Um, you had to be on the same page. It didn't work when people would get frustrated when things went wrong. Um, with each other that was that was you know that would be the, the death of the the performance um so it really meant kind of um you know doing a lot of deliberate practice so you got smooth in terms of you being able to do things um you know so start slow get smooth and then that allowed you to go fast when you got into the competitions um but 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 being you know communicating with each other and realizing that this was one race but there was another one after this and another one and another one and if you had a falling out because of something that happened in this particular race, you might not have something to sail with again, right? <laughs> so, so it did. It did teach me an awful lot, and um, I learned um, how to be in a way that was effective in that position, and in a way how not to be. Mm. Uh, my father was uh, uh, someone who would lose his temper very easily if things went wrong in a boat. And <laughs> um, when I first grew up, that was my approach as well because I learned it from him. Mm. Um, as I got older and uh, spent more time, and particularly when I went into teaching, I realized that was, you know, um, totally counterproductive. And so there were other ways of approaching the situation. And I learned and grew through that process. Mm. But um, so that was definitely one of the things that I took from that process. And that's so relevant in any field of endeavor. Mm in life but particularly in, in, in the corporate world when you look at a, a profession like selling which is a team sport particularly when you're mm. selling complex IT solutions it's not about one individual it's a team sport there are lots of people that are needed uh, and so the collaboration the cooperation between uh, those individuals is crucial mm. so again a lot of lessons uh, from from my time on the water that I've taken through to uh, you know everything else that I've done since then yeah definitely that's that is so interesting and I think like when you sail I've never I've never done it but I think there's this element of like the journey right because I, I guess when you're, you're when you're off when you're off on, on the boat 
you are kind of setting off in that journey and there's a term that uh, it's everyone uses like the journey is more important th than the destination and all these kind of things and I think with sailing that holds true because I don't know if you'd be I guess you would you would have a goal to reach in a way where we where you've planned to get somewhere but if you're doing it as a hobby and like you mentioned if it is something that you're doing it as um, a recreational thing you, you're doing that for the journey right yeah and enjoying the journey yeah, I mean, the thing about sailing is there's lots of different ways to enjoy it. Mm. Some people enjoy purely for the competition. <laughs> yeah, no. One way to engage with with, with, with sailing as, 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 as an activity. Um, it was a large part of how I engaged with it was when I was growing up. Um, but not the not by any means the only means, because actually, in order to be competitive within the sailing world, um, uh, it's not the cheapest sport in the world, right? So no, it's not. It's not a common thing you can just do. <laughs> you do have to have a, a little bit of financial backing behind you. And um, uh, my parents, although they had a love for sailing, um, weren't particularly well off when we were growing up. Um, so uh, I remember um, the the first boat I sailed in was a uh, called an Optimist. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a little tub, yeah, smaller <laughs> boat. And uh, I, my dad bought me a an old wooden Optimist that I spent a, a whole kind of uh, season getting ready for the water, you know, sanding it down and, and uh, you know, painting it and laying on undercoats and overcoats and really getting this boat into position that, uh, you know, I was ready to take in the water, put my heart and soul into this boat. <laughs> when I took it out, uh, you know, all looking brand new uh, with its little sail, which was old because it's been, you know, it was a, it was a boat. <laughs> been around. I, I was competing against all of my friends who ha had turned up with new fiberglass Optimus and sails that they just bought that were twice as expensive as the, as the boat that I was sailing in. So I was completely uncompetitive mm. in that situation because of that. And yet what I learned through getting that boat ready for the water, um, going through a process where I had to actually um, go through the, <laughs> the situation where I wasn't competitive and, and deal with that as well, mm. and find a way to enjoy my time in the water. Um, mm. you know, and uh, what was lovely with that particular boat after a while when I eventually decided that the competition wasn't something that was going to be you know a way I'd really get the most out of the boat is I got rid of the sail um, I put a little seat into the boat wow. and set the into it and I turned it into a rowing boat <laughs> and, and I, I was able to row all the way around uh, the place we sailed we sailed on an estuary uh, back in my hometown of Malahide where I grew up in Dublin Mm. And I was able to go to all parts of the estuary that you couldn't actually go in a boat. Mm. Uh, we rode through these railway arches, which the sailors sailed well away from, right? Because that was dangerous territory. But I could go through <laughs> a robot, uh, and explore new lands and territories. So, yeah. So there's lots of ways um, to enjoy life and to enjoy, you know, what we do. Um, and, and competition certainly, you know, has benefits and there's a lot to be learned from it. And it's one way that we kind of... Uh, can can be and experience life and interact with each other but it's by no means the only way and um there's a lot more there's a lot more to that as well as i said sailing has taught me that through through the process as well yeah definitely and i, I could imagine that like, all the hard work that you did uh kind of renovating that little but i bet it felt so much more you had a pride kind of attached to that final product right like it oh, might yeah. not be the fanciest one that was off yeah. the market a week ago but yeah. it's like you you have that attachment to it and I think there's actually a psychological like a psychology term for it called the Ikea effect where if you create uh, something from scratch kind of like if you were to build your wardrobe there's actually a bigger kind of uh, love and 
uh, attachment to the final product. And I think that's exactly what he did. So when he did go out, it's like, I made this and I'm, I mean, I'm using it. And, and you even kind of like adapted it and you used it for other purposes that it wasn't kind of built out to do, right? No, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of love for that, but <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And I guess just to kind of, you mentioned earlier on as well that you, once you started learning how to sell, you actually started teaching it as well. And um, from what I know of you, that is something that you've always done is, even when I, uh, earlier on in the previous question, you said that, how can I be service to others? And from your coaching background and even at uh, Salesforce, like um, you had your day job, but you always had this passion of coaching and helping others. Um, tell me more about that, just to get some understanding around where this love for coaching came and um, this idea around kind of helping others, whether it, you do it in your personal life, right, by helping people have to sell, but also in your corporate and your, and your professional life of just kind of helping others. Um, yeah, what, 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 where did that come from and, and why do you do that? Yeah, um, well, it's interesting, right? Um, as I said, I started sailing because it was the sport that my parents were, 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 had, were, had us interested in. And um, as I went through the ranks uh, with the courses I was doing, um, I then graduated to become a sailing instructor and eventually mm -hmm. ended up being a head sailing instructor so i kind of fell into it because that was the course but if i look at that as a pattern that's actually a pattern i repeated in a lot of the other things that i got involved in so the mm. other sport i um spent a lot of time in when i was younger was martial arts mm. um, the korean martial arts taped off taekwondo in particular uh, was uh, the one that i was uh, most focused on when i was growing up and um uh, so i spent a lot of time training in that but then i went on to uh, to teach it as well uh, I had a school for kids um, uh, in Dublin at one point. Um, so that was another example of something that, again, I'd invested a lot in. Uh, was very much a part of who I was, and then I went on to teach it. And if I look at selling, I mean, I spent, as I said, the last 20 years of in, you know, in a career where I've been selling, and uh, you know, I've loved it. And now I'm in a situation where I'm teaching people the skills that are needed to be successful in that particular field. So it's it's a similar pattern, you know. Mm, there is, yeah. It's like whatever you master, you want to share that or, or teach that in a way, right? Yeah, well, certainly that's been my journey that I've kind of ended up in those positions. And I, mm. I, I learned an awful lot, um, you know, uh, the, 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 um, the training that was existed when I was a kid uh, with the Irish Sailing Association to develop instructors was really first class. Mm. Um, we're trained in presentation skills we were really trained how to teach a lot of the psychology behind teaching um so we, we, i gained an awful lot from that and i and, and there was a lot of experience and, and, and responsibility at a young age um because i was responsible for um you know courses where we would have over 100 kids um it wow. was you know all the safety that was required uh, around those kids the management of the other instructors um, that were working underneath me um, the liaising with the parents, you know, um, the liaising with the with the sailing association itself, with the, with the clubs I was I was teaching at. So there was a, it was a huge amount of responsibility at a, at a very very young age, uh, and I learned an awful lot about how to teach and how to coach and how to coach under pressure. Because mm. we would have um, people when they were sailing on the water would be in situations that were very pressurized in the moment because it was heavy weather or something was happening, you know, in that situation with the boat. Um, and would need to be calm and need to be present and I would need to be able to communicate and uh, help people find a way through that in, uh, in those type of situations. Mm. Um, I went in to do the, um, the, the, the martial arts. It was similar, right? A lot mm. of the coaching was helping people really break through 
um, mental barriers and physical barriers, right, to achieve things they maybe didn't believe they could achieve. Mm. Um, breaking boards is something we used to do a lot of in Taekwondo, you know, and as they would go, people would go through their different grades, they would have to diff- break more and more boards. Mm. Um, you know, there was also the sparring and again, getting people ready to actually face the fear of, you know, being across the, the room from somebody else who wants to knock your head off. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the nicest situation to be in in life. <laughs> I loved it at the time, but it's 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 how do you actually, you know, manage yourself in that situation as well, right? How do you learn how to defend yourself? I did a lot of self-defense uh, uh, training for women at one point as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so so I was always learning the skills of, of teaching and coaching. And when I did my psychology degree, I did a lot of work, as I said, in sports psychology. Mm. And that was all around about training athletes in things like visualization and mental imagery uh, preparation for competition um, and, and kind of working with things around mindset, et cetera. So I was already, before I ever got involved in training to become a coach, you know, working as a, you know, a coach from a sports perspective and and and, and working on the psychological side of things as well. Yeah, mm, definitely how you've kind of repeated the same framework around taking up these new challenges and activities and then sharing your knowledge. I think in each of these fields, you've actually, what you've done is you've showed up, which is one of your drivers, um, just showing up and, and giving your best and being in the present moment, like you mentioned around resolving issues, you know, working under pressure and doing the same thing around martial arts and all of these as well. So it's interesting how, in terms of, you know, why you've done what you've done is, in a way, even from a very young age, you had this idea around just showing up and, and doing the best you can and opening yourself to these new opportunities and these new challenges, doing it and kind of mastering it in a way and then helping others master it as well, right? From from For each of these fields, sailing, martial arts or, or selling. I think if I look at uh, some other people who might be lost or they might think, you know, um, life isn't working on my favor or things aren't working on my favor I think those are the times when you need your core values um the most and from your experiences of everything that you've done in your life it's from what I'm kind of understanding you had that kind of set in stone and you learned and you adapted and and you and you applied learnings from each of these fields across each other each other but at the end of the day it's kind of strengthening your own uh that vessel-based uh consciousness that you mentioned earlier on that makes you who you are right which is yeah (laughs) well i mean certainly the way i look at things now is different to the way i looked at when i was growing up there's no doubt about it you know but if i look back and i look at some of the patterns um in terms of you know how i've kind of uh, ended up doing some of the things i've done there's there's definitely some some things that are common there you know Mm. um and what i really enjoyed most about the sailing was you know teaching other people to be able Mm. to experience what it is that I'd experience and giving back because I had some great teachers myself when I was growing up, you know, coming through the ranks as uh, learning how to sell some wonderful people who were not much older than myself, right? Because we were all kind of going through it and a few of us were a little bit further ahead than others. Um, and again, in, 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 the, in the Taekwondo and the martial arts, amazing teachers um, that I met all around the world um, that I learned so much from. Um, and uh, again, being able to help and, you know, give that back and particularly with the kids to see the confidence that grew in them as they learned, you know, more coordination and a bit more self-confidence and their ability to, you know, stand their ground and, uh, you know, look after themselves. I think that it just gives me a joy to see other people benefit from some of the things that I've been, you know, lucky enough to benefit from myself. 
Mm, exactly. It's like if you've learned and seen value in having those great teachers, why not uh, do the same and help the next kind of generation of the others yeah. around you, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Perfect. I love that. I mean, thank you so much for kind of, you know, answering that question around uh, what made you, what was that one event around sailing? But I think that gives us a really good idea around who Aluba is and your ordinary tells around what drives you, um, this whole idea around kind of showing up and, and be the best version of yourself and also kind of touching on the learnings you got from sailing from a very young age, but also how you apply that same framework into these other fields as well. And, and now you get to do what you love doing, which is um, kind of teaching others and helping others around selling, right, in the, in the corporate mm. world. And I think it's mm. it's a hard, sometimes a hard mix to find, um, kind of spirituality and, and, and kind of doing what you do around coaching in the corporate world. But I'm so glad that you're kind of bringing that in, organizations big giants like google and all these other things and i think there is a big movement happening nowadays around more people talking about coaching and and you know mindset and, and psychology and um it's great that you've always done it and i think that's definitely a new need in 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 what's needed in the in the corporate world as well um but thank you for sharing that and sharing your ordinary tales um and I, I think that's a good segue now into the extraordinary dreams part, which is all around your future and, and things you want to achieve uh, you mm. know, in the next few years uh, or for the next leg of your life. Right. Um, and my question to you now, Aluba, um, just one question is, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this old question. Um, good old question. <laughs> And uh, look, there was a time where I, I would have a, a very strong answer for this. Um, um, but again, as I've moved my, 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 my way of looking at the world more to this kind of vessel-based consciousness, um, in the grand scheme of things, Aluba will be forgotten very quickly. <laughs> uh, certainly within 100 years, I would imagine, and beyond that as well. Um, so, you know, I think uh, they say footprints in the sand. When the wave comes, they are no more. And that's mm. all is, is footprints in the sand uh, i certainly what i'm very focused on right now is the work that i'm doing at google um i i, I think um in particular um bringing a coaching culture to the the, the kind of google cloud organization which is where i work is, is something that's very close to my heart um i think it's uh, it's really important uh, in order to get the best out of people and uh, create an environment where people feel safe as well and uh, really can sink in and do their best work and uh, find their unique voice. Um, I think it's a beautiful tool. I call it a medicine for the culture. Uh, I think it's so important um, that people not only embrace it, but but know how to do it well. Mm. So that's that's something that I'm uh, kind of putting a lot of energy into. And it's very important for me to see, see that come to, to maturity um, at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, um, well, next week I'll be in Portugal where I've got a, a little home up in the mountains. Um, yeah, it looks amazing. I think I got a sneak peek of that uh, when we had our catch up, but it looks yeah. incredible, your your house. Yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous part of the world. So it's northeast of, east of Lisbon uh, mm -hmm. in, the, in, in a lake region on the uh, uh, river Zezere and Ana Freira de Zezere. Beautiful part of Portugal. Um, in fact, it's a, it's the closest town is a town called Tomar, 
which is a very historic town. It's where uh, the Knights Templar had their headquarters in Europe for many years. Um, so there's lots of old castles and cathedrals and everything in the region as well. Uh, and we're not too far away. If you drive towards the coast, about an hour towards the coast, uh, we hit Nazare, which is where all of the uh, the largest waves are in Europe, the 100-foot waves that all the surfers go to. So yeah. there's a lot to, a lot to kind of uh, appreciate in the region that we're in. And... Um, my dream is to uh, build a coaching retreat center there. I'm in the process wow. of working towards that at the moment. Um, so really to have a center where people can come and uh, connect back to themselves and have the opportunity to do some some deeper work. Um, wow. And out to, to individuals and to groups, mm. and lots of different types of modalities. So one of the areas that I'm particularly interested in is an area called biohacking. Yep. So looking at the human body as a system, taking a systems thinking approach, and looking at how we can apply both ancient practices and modern science uh, to really hack that system in order to achieve outcomes um, from a performance perspective. Uh, so uh, so I've got a couple of ideas that I want to bring in from a biohacking perspective mm. um, um, that I think will be great and uh, invite practitioners in um, mm. different types of modalities as well to, to do some work there. So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of something that will, will happen, you know, when it happens in the future. Um, mm -hmm quite excited about but as I said day to day it's it's really just about showing up and being present for for, for what unfolds and if that unfolds the way I'm kind of envisioning it at the moment fantastic if something else falls well will that's fine too you know I'm not, yeah. not attached to one or the other it's um really you know I think this is this is the movement away from victor consciousness and victor consciousness it's always I'll be happy when I achieve what it is I want to achieve mm. and there's something else and there's always something else and there's always something else and um and so for me, I, it's not that I don't have my, my dreams and my visions. I do, and, uh, and I work towards them. Mm. Uh, but I'm more interested in that process of working towards them. Mm. It's the desire itself rather than the object of the desire. And mm -hmm. it gets me excited. And so being able to wake up every day and be connected to that feeling of desire within me as I work towards um, you know, uh, everything that I'm doing moment to moment, I think, is what's most important. Mm. Yes, I love that because I think, um, like you mentioned, so often we're so caught up about the end result, but having desire itself is rewarding. I hadn't thought about it in that way because um, we are so driven by, we're so impatient and we, and I do think if we achieved all our goals that we'd ever wanted, what would be the purpose of living, right? So I think it's having those desires and things to work towards that makes life worth living in a way because if you didn't have that what's the point <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah yeah well, the difference between the object of the desire and the desire itself you know a lot of the mystic traditions will say that if you can place your hand not on the object of the desire but on the desire you place your hand on your soul um so i think there's a lot in that idea wow I'm making a lot of notes. Sorry if I'm if you see me writing stuff down, but I'm like, yes, this is this is great. This is incredible stuff. But yeah, I love that because um, I guess going back to the question around your legacy, it's one of those things that has been overused nowadays. It's like, what's your legacy, and what you know, what do you, I think it's just one of those things that people have started questioning more. Um, but what you said around when you think about legacy, when I asked one of my other friends, she said that. I wouldn't know if I've reached my legacy because I'd be gone by then, right? <laughs> I would, I would, I, I, what is that past point or the benchmark to say, yes, you have, 
you know you've made an impact or this is your legacy it's it's a it's a blurry line but i think like you mentioned it's doing what you can now um in the best way you can and and kind of helping others as much as you can that will that is your that is your legacy and that's the impact you're making and and the retreat in Lisbon sounds incredible. I mean, I've been to Lisbon once and it's one of my favourite places. Uh, it's not where you mentioned, but just mm. the, the Lisbon on its own just has this incredible air. So if you're doing any kind of pilot retreats or anything in the future, <laughs> count me in because that sounds right up my street. And the whole talk around biohacking and, you know, leveraging ancient practices in the real world as well. I think the more I think about what I want to do and what kind of field I want to work on. I think um, a term that I like to kind of use when I define what I am doing is modern day kind of enlightenment, because I think enlightenment is one of those things that you think that you need to be Buddhist or you need to look a certain way or be a monk to find this thing called enlightenment. But you can actually practice that um, in the modern day, right, in the modern world and even the corporate world. Um, so I think the more I am talking to people like yourself and doing my podcast and doing trying to find my brand around what am I going to follow through or what I'm going to be remembered for I think more, I'm swaying more towards um, this idea around uh, enlightenment and and, and bringing those ancient practices and ancient teachings from other countries and other worlds into a modern day uh, woman working in central London right because <laughs> it's yeah. where those two worlds meet yeah I mean, and, and look um uh, people talk about spirituality as if it was something detached from the human experience. It's not, right? Everything's mm -hmm. spiritual, I mean, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, you, you go down to the pub and have a pint with your 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 friends. What's not spiritual about that? Mm. You know, um, what we're doing here is a you know as is a spiritual experience. We are spirit embodied. So for me, all aspects of human behavior is it's it's all spiritual. Mm. The moment you start saying this is this is spiritual, that's not. You place value judgments, and right, and you, you, I think you get into very dodgy territory in, in that. So for me, um, I just see everything as a as a spiritual experience. Um, it's the experience in the moment with whatever's arising, and mm -hmm. how you are with yourself and with your others in the moment is independent of the context. It, not always, obviously, because the context can affect, can affect your situation. But if you work skillfully with your psychology and your physio and, and physiology, you you can get to a stage where it, it, it can become independent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you can get detached from the context, and if you can actually, you know, as I said, get to a position where you can hold space for for whatever happens to arise. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what I would work on. When I think of things like enlightenment, I, I think of the idea of just waking up to things I don't see. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best ways to do that is to have people pointed out to me because we, we, we really struggle to see ourselves, right? So mm -hmm. having people around you uh, who can be honest uh, and give you open feedback. Um, and one of the best ways to get that is, is in a good company where, mm -hmm. where, where feedback is, is valued and seen as a gift and people are open to it and embrace it. Um, and you can learn so much about yourself if you're open to it in that type of context. Um, mm -hmm. Part of the process, you know, once you, once you, once you see yourself and, and understand what's happening in, in your world in a different way, um, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to change? You know, uh, it's, mm. it's not waking up. There's also a growing up process that we all go through as well. And that's down to the choices that we make and the habits that we want to do. Um, mm. But I don't have any judgments in terms of this being spiritual, that not being spiritual. For me, um, everything is a spiritual experience. And the way mm. I interact with people is, um, you know, on the basis of our common humanity.
Mm, exactly. Yeah, I think the terms around spirituality, like it has been um, kind of used in to explain this idea around who we really are to maybe people who aren't in touch with their deepest self kind of thing. So um, it's something that I have struggled with as well in terms of like branding and everything. It's like people use this term, but it's like, it's become such a cliche overused used term kind of thing. So um, I guess like my kind of, whilst you were saying all of that, I, I totally get what you mean. And, and, and we are all having a spiritual experience, right? But what what's your kind of, what are your thoughts on maybe people who might not be in touch with this side and and as a result they might not kind of believe in this term and maybe that's the reason why you have to use these terms and labels like spirituality for them to in a way it's kind of like a bridge for them to then get in touch with who they really are um have, i don't know if you've come across anyone or 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 in any situation where people don't understand um where you're coming from yeah uh, lots of people um think i'm crazy <laughs> right? but that, that's fine. That, that's fine. And, um, we all have our different ways of looking at the world and, and, and all ways of looking at the world have some degree of value in them. Um, I mean, for, for me, um, I always try to understand the truth that somebody has that I don't maybe possess myself uh, by getting curious about what that happens to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, often that means, you know, letting go of what I think I know about the person. Right. And, mm. uh, that there is something here that they've experienced they've learned through the journey that they've had in life that i've yet to experience mm. um and if i listen really closely and get curious about that and really try to understand and connect to them then um then that potentially is available for me as a as a learning um you know I, everybody has their own stories and we we don't know um the depth to which others sink to i don't think we can connect to people deeply if we're not deeply connected to our or to ourself so i think everything that happens in terms of our interaction with others is really just a reflection of where we are in our own journey mm. so, so i always bring it back to to my own journey and what 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 i'm working on for myself at the current moment in time mm-hmm. and you know if i can share things that have worked for me on my journey i, I look to do that um but uh you know everybody has their journey and everybody has something to teach mm. we're open to it it's always available yeah that's something I from a personal kind of point of view I had to kind of come to terms with as well um because sometimes when you talk to your little cousins or your loved ones and you want them to I guess um overcome their suffering or they want to you know you want to be there for them but sometimes I did you you know you can do all the helping and the talking but if they're not willing to listen or if they're not willing to heal themselves uh, they might not get where you're coming from and sometimes I did used to feel a bit like you know why aren't you helping yourself because um but then I have started realizing that um you can't what you said around sometimes when you people don't get where you're coming from it's a reflection on your own journey more than anything and that's something I'm going through and I'm learning through as well but I think like you said um in terms of true connection it's kind of once again that acceptance and and kind of surrendering to where they the other individuals are in their own journey and what we can learn from them which is something I have started practicing as well um exactly I mean there there is something called the savior complex mm-hmm. What's the that, savior, savior complex savior complex yeah where we we we, we want to help so much um we want to kind of save people from themselves or from their mm-hmm. situations. And I think that's really dangerous territory to get in. 
Mm. I, I think in the end of the day, uh, individuals have to take responsibility for um, themselves. Mm. Uh, and we can certainly support and help them through that process. Uh, but the moment that we position ourselves as the one who is healing them or, you know, mm. you know, enabling them to overcome, um, uh, you know, it's, it's th they will overcome themselves and we can provide support for them to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's the individual himself um, that needs to take up, up that responsibility. And that's them stepping into their own power. You know? mm, mm, that's so, so true. So important. So a lot of what I do with coaching is to help people connect to that, mm. you know, to help people connect to that sense of responsibility, you know, in terms of the choices that they make, um, really reclaiming um, their yes, their no, and their maybe, learning how to set boundaries, um, you know, and, and learning how to trust in themselves right to 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 make the changes that they're they're looking to make within their life mm. rather than blending circumstances or etc right mm -hmm. um, and i think that's that's it's really important to do that and keep coming back to if you want to help and save other people <laughs> what is it about those other people that you're seeing that you have a problem with mm. because ultimately that's your own work right now in the moment mm -hmm. right and and so how can you help yourself in that respect yeah mm. reflecting back to you as to what's important for you to work on yeah so mm. i'll give you an example of this right so right now at the moment i have um uh, three brothers of mine that i'm working with um who um are struggling they're struggling with them um, with with alcohol addiction yeah mm. and um i've been kind of helping a lot of them through that over the course of the last year or so and um, but it has been interesting to me to see that i've got three guys who i'm working with at the moment who are having troubles with this addiction, yeah, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and the patterns that are coming up around it and how they're distracting themselves, et cetera. And I've got really curious about where some of those patterns are showing up in my own life. Now, not associated with alcohol addiction, but where are those patterns of me distracting myself from my present moment and my experience? Remember, my, my goal is to be fully present in the moment, mm -hmm. whatever arises. But I do distract myself, right, at different times in different ways. And I see how these guys are distracting themselves and I see the damage that it's having to the relationships and how their lives are falling apart. And it's a, it's a mirror for me to think about, okay, you know, where do I do things that are similar to that? Mm. Right? And that, that's my work. Mm. And that's the gift that they're giving me as they go through their processes for me to see the work that I have to do for myself. Mm. Not about saving them, they save themselves, right? I can, I can be a friend, I can reflect back to what's, what's going on um I, I, I can be there when they're when they're looking for help um but ultimately i'm not going to cure them of their addiction the only people who will do that are themselves yeah um, mm. but i'm also learning through the process of being with them and looking at you know my own work and what i need to do and the more i do that work for myself the better able i am to help them what a way of doing things looks like in a better way than maybe i, I currently do mm. and then you know through that process then they they, they can pick up things from me as well mm. definitely uh, yeah, that's very, that is very true, because it's interesting when you said about the saviour complex, because I was actually asking on behalf of someone else who is a saviour, who who tends to do that, but then I didn't realise I was doing that too, so mm -hmm. that they, you know, it, it's a weird one, because it's like, I feel like I know someone who is wanting to change someone else, and it comes from a good place, because you want them to heal, you want to help them, but it's also kind of drawing that line and understanding that you can't physically emotionally ever change that or heal them they need to come to that realization themselves however what you can from that what you can learn from the experience is uh, recognizing those patterns in your own life 
and and seeing what you what you can do personally uh, to overcome some of those challenges in your own life and as a result uh, just being there for them without realizing you're kind of uh helping them without you being there kind of controlling their lives right which is a fine line it's it's a good kind of boundary to uh, recognize for sure yeah it's really yeah. important yeah really important one. yeah mm -hmm. definitely cool sounds good so yeah i think i just threw that question in there out of interest but it wasn't part of the part of the plan but um i guess now that we've you know talked about your legacy and and kind of kind of removing that word things you want to do okay, now, back to legacy for a sec because I, I want i want to delve into this because it's always asked and there's a big focus yeah. And in fact, when I go to the biohacking uh, conferences and stuff, um, mm -hmm. a lot of people who are very focused on um, solving for the uh, the disease which we call aging, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> they want to live forever, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think the idea with le legacy is something similar, right? It's it's it, it, and fundamentally, what's at the root of both of those um, desires, the desire to, to live forever and cure the aging process and the desire to have a legacy. Uh, fundamentally, I think what's at the root of it is a, a phobia around our own death. And, I, remember, I remember you told me about this. Yeah, yeah. And I do think we live in a culture that's uh, that's very death phobic. Um, and, 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 and so one of the things I think is really important is for us to, each and every one of us, to come into right relationship with our own death. Mm. So the reality of the situation is it's hopeless, right? Mm. <laughs> no, we're, all, we're all walking each other back to the grave, and that's where mm. we're going to end up, right? Mm. And, um, but equally, um, hope and hopelessness are, are two sides of the one coin. And they both take you out of the present moment, right? Mm. So it, it's about being present in, in the moment and um, having your death also present with you in the moment and being yep. in one right relationship to it. A lot of cultures will refer, refer to it as a deity, you know. And, you know, go back to Egypt, you've got Anubis, and, you know, many other, uh, um, uh, you know, cultures have, have this idea of death as, as the deity. And um, and I think it is the true deity, yeah. And it is something which, you know, when we do come into right relationship with, we really learn how to live in, in a much more uh, vibrant and vigorous way, mm. uh, you know. Mm. I mean, I love that. you. I remember when you told me about the, this book that you were reading, uh, this idea around we, we go, we having, we live in a death phobic culture two years ago, and that without you realizing, it changed how I look at my own life. And how, after you kind of told me about that, it made me comfortable with my own death as well. And nowadays, when I talk about this um, idea around legacy and all of this, I'm like, you know, we're all going to die one day anyway. Um, and some people are like, oh, like you didn't have to be so deep or you didn't have to drop a truth bomb like that but it's true the as soon as we're guaranteed as soon as we were born the only thing that has been guaranteed and that always will be guaranteed is death that's one yeah. thing that's always guaranteed but even then when people bring this topic up they're like shocked <laughs> and you're right we don't want to accept come to acceptance of that uh that idea but i think like you mentioned if we have that at the back of our mind um it, it it does make you live a bit more free life because it makes you think what like when you want to go for put yourself forward for a job or if you want to start a podcast if you want to start your own company what's there to lose right we we came in this world with nothing <laughs> there's we're gonna go empty-handed we came in empty-handed what is there to lose so i think there is that underlying kind of um idea around um 
overcoming fear and and kind of living life head on and facing things head on and and kind of embracing every experience that you get um because yeah we, we're gonna go empty-handed that's the reality of it right and i think that in a way also helps us detach ourselves from those um end result that you mentioned earlier on which was one of the consciousness was victor consciousness where you're so caught up about i need to get my house i need to be make this much money at this age and if you remove all of that i think um it kind of helps us get in touch with who you are but also um live life without any uh, fear or regrets on um what i should be doing or what i should have done and all these kind of things that has kind of shaped society right um yeah, yeah. So we're all learning we're all we're all here to grow learn uh, from each other and also give back and that is i think that is why we're here um and to kind of embrace and, and living living in that present moment like you mentioned earlier on and i love how you said hope and hopelessness is the two sides of the same coin because so often suffering comes from past experiences or a future anxiety and the, the thing is we have no control over either of those because when the future comes it becomes a present moment right um and if you come to terms with that i think you will embrace every second uh with this without letting your your mind constantly be in, in the chase or because you don't have power over that um but yeah i love that uh, thank you for sharing that again it's a good reminder as well <laughs> final ask from my side is if you had any kind of self-development um tips or 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 books or role models that you would like to share um that you know some of our listeners might kind of find valuable as well what has really worked for you um in terms of your own kind of development journey maybe yeah. throw one or two in there yeah oh cool. god there, there are lots let me get there are lots. um I, I think probably what's been um most transformational for me in terms of my own um journey in recent years um and coming back to my myself uh has been um the blessings that i've had by having the opportunity to go and live with uh, a, uh, a group of people uh, that are from a country called Gabon in West Africa. Mm -hmm. I go down with my wife every every year. We go spend some time in the forest with some of the local people there and uh, live life the way they live life. Mm. Fishing with them and, uh, you know, go hunting in the forest and, um, you know, understanding a little bit about how they see the world. Um, and uh, you know, learning their music, learning how to dance, and uh, really connecting with the beauty of the culture that they have. So for me, that's been massively transformational, mm. and a, a large part of my own kind of journey inward, you mm -hmm. know, over the years. So I, I would give a lot of gratitude for those people. But I've had many great teachers uh, in the coaching world, and uh, you know, in my sales career, or my martial arts career, or my sailing career, you know, oh. and, and and you know. You've been a teacher for me as well, right? We just had a, a session the other day where you taught me a whole lot about getting open podcasts. So we're all we're always each other's teachers. As I said if we're open to it. Um, yeah. So I think, but, but certainly over the last couple of years, what's been most transformation for me is the time I spent with those people in Africa. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I remember you told me about that story and how, like, because you go back every year, you can even see the kids like growing up, um, mm -hmm. and when they were were little, and they they recognize you and they welcome you as part of their own. And that sounds like such a full like wholesome and and soul fulfilling kind of experience as well and i'm that's yeah. something i definitely aspire to do as well in the future like you know when the time's right and and 
to kind of give back. And I think, I think when you go out and live with the the folks out in 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 with the with the in West Africa, I think it really makes you grateful as well for what you have, what they have, and what you have, and yeah, just a different way of life, right? Yeah, and I mean, just to be clear, you, you talk about going over there to give back. I, I'm honestly, I'm not really giving back so much when I go over there. Is is I'm, I'm not learning from them; they're giving mm-hmm. to me. You know, this, this is going over to do some charity work that I don't know a lot of people to go to Africa to do. Mm-hmm. I'm literally going and living with them and learning uh, about how they live, how they think about life, how they experience life. Uh, the tradition over there is a tradition called Buiti, um, mm-hmm. uh, which means the study of life, <laughs> and there's a wow. deep, knowledge, a deep, deep knowledge of what it means to be human um that they that they hold um you know one of the things i've been most impressed with over there is the fact there's no loneliness you know when you look at how they live in the tribal communities uh, it's one where uh, all generations are embraced um you know and um there is no loneliness and uh, they go through their the process of of becoming an adult over there they go through a process of initiation where they let go of this idea of the me and they embrace the idea of of the we yeah, and, and uh, the tribe in which they are a part. So they've, they've got a unique value to bring to that tribe as the individual that they are, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they've also very much part of the whole. Um, so, you know, it's a very different way of kind of interacting and understanding life um, mm-hmm. but in a very, very deeply human way because it's it's goes, it's very close to how we evolved. Um, mm-hmm. So I've, I've learned a massive, massive amount. And as I said, they're the ones that are helping me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so true. They continue to do that you know yeah definitely it sounds incredible and i think some of the learnings that you get from them can once again be applied in your role at, at google and also um the, the what you said earlier on in the, for the retreat like taking some of these um ancient kind of teachings and and learning from these different cultures but also how we can apply those learnings in our day-to-day lives maybe in in the, in the western world as well so yeah that sounds like such a an amazing kind of experience and Hopefully you'll be, I don't know if COVID allowed you to go this year, but. Yeah, not so far, not so far this year. Um, I no. think hopefully into next year, we'll see how we get on. But yeah, no, uh, travel is limited <laughs> to many places, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Hopefully you'll get to stay longer to make up for the lost time this year. Be nice. And kind of spend time with everyone. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Aluba. So that wraps up the podcast. Um, mm. Ordinary Tales and Extraordinary Dreams. And. You know, I mean, we've always, every time I talk to you, I always learn something and I always take something away. But I think this has been such a jam packed full of, you know, conversation full of nuggets. And I've made loads of notes on my, on my (laughs) notebook here. Um, But it's been great kind of learning about your ordinary tales and, you know, learning about what drives you, this idea around showing up and being present, but also how you've taken learnings from your sailing, martial arts and and the corporate world. Um, Some of the, teachings there that you've applied in to make you who you are and also future looking side of things um given your role in your current role and also it's great to see how much you're kind of thriving in your role and it feels like that is your home in in a way you know for now and Uh kind of seeing you grow in that role as well and also excited to see what else you'll achieve in the future um when you create that retreat please let me know because I'll be first in line to sign up and I'll tell everyone about it as well. Um, yeah. 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 Just want to say a huge thank you uh, for the, for the podcast today, kind of showing up, being vulnerable, sharing your tips, but also for always being such a great kind of mentor. And um, even though, you know, we don't work 
with each other at the moment. Uh, we, you know, we're one ping away on LinkedIn and um, just want to say a huge thank you for being you, Aluba, um, and, and being on my podcast. My pleasure. And likewise, thank you for inviting me in and thank you for all the help that you've given me uh, get my own one set up. I really, really appreciate that. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, yeah. You know, beautiful light. Uh, so keep doing that. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm sure we will keep catching up in the future and continue to learn from each other. So um, thank you for your time and we'll catch up soon. <laughs> cool. <laughs> thank you so much, Aluba. Thank you guys once again for listening to another episode of the podcast. Hope you guys found it as enjoyable as I did recording it. And if you want to share some feedback or show some support, feel free to follow me on at Self Tough Sundays with a double S on Instagram. And I look forward to catching you same time next week. Thank you. Bye.